getting in the 70s, which is kind of nice. Mostly clear at night, lows into the 30s for Thursday night. Friday, Saturday, sunny skies, highs in the 70s again. Friday night, partly cloudy, lows into the 30s. Saturday night, we're going to see some rain just a little bit. 20% chance of precipitation, lows into the 40s. Sunday is going to be rain all day. And Sunday night, rain likely as well, rolling out into Monday and Tuesday. For you boaters, small craft advisory is not in the forecast this evening nor tomorrow. And with that said, my first show with you guys is with Aaron Cloudon and Healing Journeys. I hope you enjoy the show. Opinions expressed in the following sponsored program are not necessarily those of KSCO Radio, its staff, management, or advertisers. If something is said with which you disagree, please call us during the program in order to help us balance comments. Tuning in uh, tonight, I have with me uh, a very special guest. Her name is Bree Rose. She is an end-of-life doula and transition guide. You can find her at stonecirclescollective.org slash Bree Rose. That's B-R-E-E-R-O-S-E. Again, that's stonecirclescollective.org. Bree, are you there? I am here, yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm super stoked. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, and also, I, I, I almost forgot to mention, Bree is also uh, a musician. You can find her at other-band-seattle.bandcamp. I was actually just listening to your stuff before I came on the show. Oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah. So, Bree, um... Tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to become an end-of-life doula. Well, I kind of do a lot of different things. I was like two of the things you've just mentioned, but mm-hmm. um, solely what we're, I think, here to talk about is my end-of-life doula practice. And what I think brought me to this path, um, a lot of things, a lot of advocacy for people who don't know their rights. Uh, there's a lot of advocates for that in many senses regarding rights with police, rights with birth. Um, your rights in death is kind of a new phenomenon that's gaining a lot of recognition lately. And when I, several years ago, when I got my bachelor's degree in psychology, I did my senior seminar project on making meaning was the assigned uh, category that I got and I decided to do making meaning in death and funerary rituals and that just kind of opened this big door for me in understanding what other cultures and historically what's been done versus what's done currently in the U.S. and how it's so lacking and so much has been taken away from people being able to tend to their own and knowing their rights so that's kind of how it began. That's so cool because that's uh, that was actually one of the questions I had for you. Uh, what are end of life rights? Uh, I'm everything I've always kind of known is people die. Next thing you know, there's a viewing, and then they either get buried if they're more traditional Christian type people, or they get burned, and then the ashes get sprinkled somewhere, or there's like a mausoleum type thing. So. What kind of... Oh, there's there's so much beyond that. Awesome. Um, for, for starters, <laughs> in most states, including California, where you currently are, uh-huh. um, you can keep your loved one's body at home. You can have a home funeral. For how long? Um, there, um, the legal terms, at least in Washington State, you can have them for 24 hours until they need to be refrigerated, quote, uh-huh. quote, which essentially means they can be put on ice, either like techni ice or dry ice. And then for as long as is reasonable is pretty much what the term mm-hmm. is uh, legally. And most people traditionally in many cultures and throughout history, three days is kind of the time where you it feels right to have the body. And that's 
at that point, it feels like they're gone all the way. It's like there's these last little tendrils of mm-hmm. electricity or being still in there that need to, to dissipate. And psychologically, because I'm also a psychology student, um, it's so psychologically healthy for the grief processing to have a body there and to not be on a funeral home's timeline regarding when you can see them or what you can do. So you have the right to keep a body at home, bathe the body, keep the body. You can transport it yourself with a, a permit. You Embalming is not required. Even if you do go through a funeral home, you do not have to have a body embalmed. You do not even have to purchase a casket from the funeral home. You can build your own and bring it in. They have to honor that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and beyond traditional embalmed cement vault burial, there's green burial. You can get buried in a simple shroud. There's a lot of green burial grounds around the country. There's also aquamation, which I believe is now, I think it's now legal in California. If it's not, it will be soon, and that's water cremation. And then there's also terramation, which I don't think is available in California yet, but also will be soon, and that's um, organic reduction or also known as human composting. That is Awesome. Um, I'm kind of, um, I'm a big believer in reincarnation and I'm a big believer in having the consciousness leave the body. And I personally do not want to uh, be embalmed in any way, shape or form. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would prefer, this sounds, uh, people probably don't like when I say this, but I, I seriously, and I don't know how you could go about this, I... <laughs> This is so strange. I can't believe I'm saying it out loud, let alone on the radio. But I, I've always kind of wanted to um, be left out in the woods and let the turkey vultures and stuff eat me. Oh, that would be ideal for some people. And unfortunately, that is not necessarily legal unless you donate your body to a body farm, which is a research facility where they do leave bodies out to decay and kind of um, observe what happens through there. And that's a whole other fascinating topic um there's also the traditional sky burial which they would do in some native american cultures and in tibet i don't know if those happen anymore because they are very um gruesome in a sense concerning what some people would think where you would have somebody who would be the designated uh person to take the body apart essentially cut them to pieces leave them up on a cliff or um and the planes and have the the vultures carry them away and that's the sky burial so including the sky burial you essentially have all of the elements with cremation for fire and um green burial for earth or terramation and aquamation for water i would love cool. to have a sky burial and i'm not joking i'm so serious <laughs> I used to live out in uh, the woods of Northern California, and I always thought it would be a great way to go. So you you also brought up what did you would you say aquamation? Is that what you called it? Aquamation. Um, it's a new method of water cremation. So essentially, the body is placed in a vessel, and the there's water that washes over. That's ninety five percent water, five percent potassium hydroxide, and it's heated up to about um i think like 320 degrees and that just washes over the body it only uses the amount of water that a single family household would use in a day and it reduces the body to bone um the same way it would in natural decomposition but it does so in a matter of hours and then that bone is then sent through a cremulator similar to how uh, cremated remains any bone left over and you get about 30% more remains back than you would from cremated remains. And it's more of like a white powdery substance rather than an ash. And it's a lot more environmentally friendly. Actually, to be cremated is, it uses the, it's about the carbon footprint that you would, um, of driving cross country. It's really bad for the environment. Okay. Oh my God, that's super cool. I never heard of that before. I love that. Yeah. I love all this stuff. I love that you know about. So wait a minute. With, with the rights coming, does this mean that somebody who's not been educated in I forget what you call them, funerary arts, could they mm-hmm. then just help their friends and family with uh, burials and processes without uh, by and totally bypass funeral homes? Yes. That's absolutely fantastic. And you can legally have your chosen family be the people who are in charge of that for you. 
So one of the things that I do is I teach advanced care directive workshops, and I'm um, certified in advanced care planning, and I'm a notary. So I will hold workshops and encourage people to put the people who is, are their chosen family, because I work with a lot of people in like the witchcraft community or LGBTQ community who mm-hmm. are potentially estranged from their parents or who don't align with the religion that they were raised in. Mm-hmm. So rather than somebody dying and having an estranged parent come in, potentially um, misgender them, dead name them, uh, give them some sort of religious funeral that does not reflect at all who they really were as a person. Mm -hmm. You can have the legal paperwork stating who you want to be there, like in the hospital with you in an emergency situation, and you can't speak for yourself. You choose who can speak for you, and then you choose who will have custody of your body upon death. That's fantastic. So basically what you're saying is we're moving away from these incredibly expensive funeral home pomp and circumstance and mm-hmm. weirdness from my perspective and moving right. into something that's much more natural and and more sustainable yeah much more diy yeah, yeah much and, more sustainable and, and you consider there's what like eight or nine billion people on the planet and every one of us 100 percent of us are going to die i mean it only mm-hmm. kind of makes sense at some point to knock off this kind of so i guess it, then i start thinking about uh, are there places besides are there other places where you could bury a body that outside of these designated I'm trying to think of where else you could bury someone if you want if they were can you do that on your family land if you've got like 20 acres out in the woods or whatever there's it very much depends um uh the short answer is no um damn it However, there are some sort of like permits or something, or if you already have a plot of land, because there there are family lands who already have cemeteries on them from way back when, Hmm. Um, or sometimes you can designate a space. I know that there is a green burial ground here in Washington that I've dug a grave at before where the the woman who runs the place was telling me about how it started and how it was uh, the land belonged to this man who really loved and had this connection with the land. And his last wish was to be buried on it. So when he died, they actually held his body for, I believe, four months while the people who um, were wanting to give him, to grant him that wish, got all of the legalities to make it so that he could get buried on the land. And now it's a green burial ground where you will walk around the land and you won't see any headstones, you won't see any obvious graves, but then you'll kind of refocus your eyes and see a certain mound of rocks or sticks placed in a certain way and realize that those are indeed graves, but it's just all part of the landscape. That's super cool. That would be awesome. So I'm guessing there's some sort of local permitting process or something you have to go through to make that happen, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to it. But there are more green burial grounds popping up around, and there's some really beautiful ones. Um, If you look up the Green Burial Council, that's something that will show you um, different burial grounds in the U.S. And if you're interested in more DIY practices regarding home funerals and tending to your own dead, the Natural Home Funeral Alliance is an amazing resource for that. That's awesome. I'll have to get all that stuff from you afterwards. Um, if you don't mind me jumping mm-hmm. in here real quick, I got a question. My my buddy, my my engineer Nick has a question. So he's, what's up, Nick? Um, so I'm sorry to cut in on this, and this has kind of been a question in my mind for many years, because I've been a boater for well over 15 years. I live on a boat. Um, I've been told that you cannot bury someone at sea. Did you hear his question about burying somebody at sea? Sorry, can you? I, you may not. Oh be, no, I didn't hear that. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, let me let me let me bump it up a little bit. Uh, okay. Can you hear me now? Oh, she can't hear you. She can't hear me at all. I don't think so. Oh no, I can't. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. If you don't mind asking, Aaron, that'd be great. It, it's well. So what he said is he he's been a boater for fifteen years, and mm-hmm. he loves the ocean, and and, and uh, he doesn't necessarily want to be cremated and put out to sea he's he from his understanding you cannot be buried at sea unless it's you 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 can be buried at sea um it's a little more complicated i don't know all of the nuances behind that as much as i do about um the other things i've been talking about i know that often if you are military or in the navy or something of that nature you kind of have a shoe in with that 
uh, and it does have to be so many nautical miles out. There, there are ways to arrange a sea burial. Um, definitely, if that's what you want, look into it now. And if that's not going to be a possibility for you, I think it's also very expensive. Um, then look into aquamation because that's that's cremation through water. And if that's the element that you're feeling aligned with, then that's going to be. Well, so she did mention that it's it's expensive. Why? Yeah. Well, well I why guess, can't I just take myself out there? And... So then the question kind of becomes, and and we he and I both have the same question: if we have our own boat, or, or or we have friends that are also in the boating community, and we have the right to do our own burials. And I know you 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 said you were you're a little bit ignorant on the on the uh, burial at sea. Why then can't we uh, the whoever you've given your directive to? Right? Was that what you call it? The 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 directive, the that, advanced care directive. Yeah, the advanced care directive. Can 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 can't you have them take you out to sea on their boat? Not, I mean, not unless you have the proper paperwork in place. Unfortunately, because okay. technically they could just take your body out and dump it in the sea, but there might be some legal repercussions. You usually, for in order to have a death certificate, there needs to be someone signing off of a place or method of internment. So okay. that would be lacking and not having a death certificate would cause all of these other complications. So I, yeah, I guess for what I would see from it, from uh, what Little, I'm thinking, everything's always it either would, more simple than you think or more challenging. It would, it would, it would make <laughs> it look, it would make it look like it was a murder if we didn't do it properly. <laughs> right. Uh, it's yeah. sad that she can't hear me. Can she, you cannot hear me right now. You can't hear you can't hear Nick at all when he talks to you, huh? Not at all. Oh, uh, that's unfortunate. I'll, I'll get out of here. Um, yeah, that's a bummer because he had a really good question because he he was asking like. It's uh, been a long time that I've thought about this actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd like to be buried at sea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it's funny because he's talking about being buried at sea, and it, and actually it's kind of m my it, probably even moving. It was my second choice, but I I swim a lot off of. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, in the ocean right here, uh, I swim out into the ocean, and, and it's it's very soothing for me. It's a very. I'm also a meditator, but there's a, there's something about being out in the ocean, and I don't wear a wetsuit, and I go out, and I go out a, a pretty good distance, and there and it's a very calming feeling, and. Um, Absolutely, yeah, I can relate. And um, there's something about the water and the ocean and the quiet and and just being out there, and it's just me. As far as I know, I don't know what's underneath me, but I'm sure there's a lot of stuff. But anyway, there there is part of me as well that that would that would. I, I'm also very much into uh, Buddhism, and uh, I studied it for a long, long time, and I've been a meditator for a long time, and I am a big believer that the consciousness takes a while to leave the body, as well as then transition mm -hmm. to wherever it may go next. So right. there is a big part of me that would. Uh, like really appreciate actually having Nick <laughs> and some other people take my my body out to see you know whether it be five miles or six miles weight it down and drop it to the bottom of the ocean I mean there's a there's a big part of that and what he's saying is if you don't have the proper paperwork or someone you know on board that can sign off properly yeah, and specific methods, because even if they do weigh you down, who's to say that parts of you won't float up and wash ashore somewhere and startle <laughs> some young child? I would love to <laughs> startle kids later in the <laughs> afterlife. Where's the downside to this? This is like a win-win, Bree. -win. <laughs> I'm like, yes. All right, well, then how about it? <laughs> <laughs> this just gets better. I won't stop you. <laughs> yeah, that a girl. <laughs> that sounds fantastic, actually. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is so interesting. I do. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking uh, uh, that we would talk about this, but it, it it's something that I've thought about for a while because I find the whole uh, and I've seen uh, a lot of people my age. Their parents have died, you know, over the past ten years or so, twenty years. Mm -hmm. They're they're of that older generation, and my parents aren't that far off necessarily. Hopefully, they have longer than. Uh, so I can still hang with them a little bit. Um, but this whole buying a $10,000 casket to seal them in and the, all this shenanigans just seems so bizarre. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole it's... embalming of the body and the, the whole thing is super trippy to me. It's all become a symbol of status. It's, people believe that they 
show their their own status and their love for their loved one financially. And that's what the capitalistic patriarchy has taught us over the years, because it used to be tending to your own debt. It was women's work. And then it switched over and became men. You have to take the body right away. Once it dies, it's dirty. Don't touch it. It has to be embalmed and purified. And then we have to, you have to buy the most expensive casket to prove your love and all of these things. And I'm trying to educate people to bring it back to prove your love by washing the body of your loved one, by keeping them in your home and making an altar and surrounding them with flowers and digging their grave for them. And all of these things that are just so much more cathartic and a way to channel your grief and your love that isn't financial. Yeah, this this is part of the reason I've been doing. Uh, you're you're probably like the fourth end of life caregiver death doula I've interviewed, it, because I have a lot of issues around the way it's dealt with in our society, and a lot of it mm-hmm. has to do with, especially during this time of pandemic, or if there's a war going on, or the next school shooting. So much times, death is all these numbers thrown at us via media. Mm-hmm. And there's a desensitizing. And then when it finally arrives, there's a bit of a shock. And as you just stated, the body, let's take it away. Let's clean it up. Let's make it look like it never looked before. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. sew the mouth shut and put on all this makeup and put on its best suit on someone who probably never wore a suit most of the time, which is super right. trippy as well. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about it, I'm like... I do not want to go out like that. Like, I do not, Mm-mm. do not, do it's not, such, do not. It's such death denial culture. It's people, because they don't talk about it, because these conversations aren't happening, they don't know what to do. And so as soon as somebody dies, they're like, okay, somebody has to come right now and take them away because I'm lost. And having that permission to stop and take the time that's needed and take that space and spend time with the body even if you're not planning to have a home funeral and you don't want to do the full three days i've had two different clients who because they've taken my death education workshops they had a sudden death and they kept the body home and called me um of course you do have to alert authorities but you don't that you don't have to let the paramedics take them right away so i was able to come and help them to arrange the body and create some ritual and spend the time that they needed until they were ready to have the body picked up that's awesome. That's fantastic. See, that that's really what I want to have because even even more so of just the body being taken away right away, many times the human being is taken away months, if not years, before the death even happens from what I see in our society. There's, we don't, the, the nuclear family has now caused a lack of the generational knowledge and Mm -hmm. the seeing how we age and seeing sickness it's kind of all hidden or 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 pushed away it seems like am i mistaken in that is that just my own perception or no absolutely we we as a culture we don't know how to deal with our aging society we don't know how to tend to them we're too busy they're a, a burden or a nuisance and we put them away um I, I volunteer at a hospice weekly, but I'm lucky enough that the the hospice I volunteer at is such a beautiful place. It was It's called Bailey Boucher House, and it was originally created in the 90s as an AIDS hospice. Okay. And luckily, because there has been such um, such movements made in the medical industry for that for the, the AIDS virus, that it's no longer a death sentence, a lot of the people who are in that hospice are still... HIV positive, but dying of various other things. It's not, there's not a whole lot of people who are dying of old age. Actually, nobody gets all of these different afflictions. So I get to have these relationships with all of these people at end of life in various stages of their life. And it's really, really fascinating and fulfilling. And some of them don't have any family or any community, but the the people who are there, who work there, the staff and the volunteers become their community in such a beautiful way. That's interesting. I did the same work in the early 90s um, with people with HIV and AIDS up in Mendocino Mm. County in Ukiah. And uh, I'll never forget this one guy. He must have been... It's funny, he seemed so old to me back then. He was in his late 40s, early 50s, uh, Mm -hmm. like my age. (laughs) And um, 
he was dying and I'm like and I was one of his the few people to because I worked in the home there was like a home for three different four different guys and I was like where are your parents you know don't they want to see you he's like my parents haven't talked to me since they found out I was gay and they they won't and I'm like do they know you're dying he's like yeah they know I have HIV and they know I have AIDS but I'm like they're not gonna it was so devastating I just I couldn't believe you know I couldn't process right. it. Like, I still can't process yeah. it. Talking to you about it now, almost, whoa, close to 30 years later, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, you <laughs> wouldn't come see your child, you know? And he really was. He yeah. was, like, from Iowa, <laughs> oddly enough, and mm. it was just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, how could you not? And so, yeah, that... that to, uh, yeah, I'm a mother and I can't fathom ever disowning my daughter, especially like for something as benign as not being straight. I mean, she's not. She's totally like doesn't even know what she wants to be. She goes by any pronoun. She might be more into girls and it doesn't matter at all. It's never been right. an issue and she's never been scared to talk to me about anything. And I wouldn't disown her for anything. Well, based on the little bit I've I've read about you, you seem very open-minded. I, <laughs> I am indeed, and believe it or not, I was raised a Mormon. So no, <laughs> I had to divert pretty far from my upbringing. Are you from Utah originally? Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Oh. I am indeed. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the, uh, since we're on the subject of religion, we're way off topic, but this is great. I was wondering, are you a pagan? Um, yeah, yeah. Pagan essentially just means non-Christian. Oh, yeah. So, I know a bunch um, of pagans. I've been, oh, yeah, absolutely. I know tons and tons of pagans. I've been to all sorts of rituals and stuff, so paganism does not mm-hmm. intimidate. As a matter of fact, it's a, it's a rather beautiful, uh, they do some beautiful ceremonies that are super cool. Right, yeah. Especially, oh, that reminds me, winter solstice is coming up. Happy solstice. It is. Happy solstice. <laughs> um, so uh, we're way off topic. This is great. Um, <laughs> I love it. I could it. go on so many tangents. <laughs> great. Feel free anytime. We've got an hour. We'll do whatever we want. <laughs> That's what makes it fun. <laughs> uh, at some point, I do want to play a little bit of your music, though, so we'll get to that event eventually. But I did want to... Oh, sure, yeah. I wanted to talk to you about... Um, like what is sound healing because you you say you you do because you do so many things i was looking through your way i was like this i do a lot of things (laughs) i was like holy i could do like five shows with you this is awesome um (laughs) so talk to me a little bit about sound healing and uh and the guided journeys so sound healing is um i have an office space uh, here in seattle where I have my 32-inch gong, which is quite large, and some very large crystal singing bowls, tuning forks, uh, koshi chime, uh, several different just like sound healing instruments. And the, the ritual and method in which I do it is I'll have the room set like incense candles. I'm so lucky with my office space that I can do all of that. And I have them come in and just kind of like talk to them about what I'm going to do, and they lay down, and I start with, toning and there's such a vibration that happens with the bowls and with the gong and the forks and all of it it really changes the i mean almost the chemistry of your body shifts while it's happening and it's such a a clearing and an unblocking of energies so my basic sound healing is uh, intended to unblock energies and i'll start off with breathing techniques and then just go slowly up the body to to fully relax each and every part and then start in with the gong and just fully with the sound and it's so immersive and vibratory and goals all around that people enter such a trance state that so many of them have intense visions almost like a dream when they come out of it 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 seems like they're waking up or they're just coming back from a completely different state of being and it opens up your subconscious in this really intense way you're you enter this liminal space where you have access to some conscious healing. You have access to kind of other realms or that people from other realms have access to you if you have wants and ancestral connections and you are in control the entire time. You don't, I haven't had anybody taken over by anything nefarious. It's always a really healing experience in a safe container. Mm-hmm. And then with the journeys, it's, more guided for certain intentions. So guided journeys and hypnotherapy are fairly synonymous in the way that I work. 
and which you I take them into that liminal space and then I guide them through visuals. The, the mind works so well in metaphor and in story, and that's how a lot of things are absorbed. So you can work through anything from like childhood trauma. I do a lot in grief processing. That's why part of my title is Transition Guide. Um, grief can come in so many forms, not just from a death, but from so many different endings that we experience that I can help to, to process those things and to let things go and to bring things in and to manifest. And so there's all of these journeys and stories that you can go on to kind of have intention. It's like a spell, but it's psychological and scientific at the same time, which is just right up my alley. I love that. That's so cool. I've been doing a bunch of Dr. Joe Dispenza's meditations recently, and he kind of does that uh, in order to kind of rewire my brain. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of, I've been a Vipassana meditator for 13 years, and when I go really, really deep, it's interesting because when I hear sound, it'll move through me. I'll feel it mm -hmm. on a cellular right. level when I'm when I'm when I'm deeply, and sometimes it's jarring. Like it can it can, especially at the end of the hour when they ring the gong or ring the bell, it'll it'll kind of jar through me. It, it literally physically mm -hmm. moves me. It, it's so interesting what sound can do. Uh, that's super cool. And do you with? these guided journeys and the sounding do you kind of check in with the person first and see what it is that's going on do you go through a process of that or, or do you have like kind of a set routine a little bit of both i i have some regular clients who will um come to me for specific things or they they, they want to work on something and will check in about it and i'll sometimes write custom journeys for them and for their intention that will bring in some of their special symbols or animals that they connect with or something that will really resonate with them on a subconscious level. Uh, in general, I will have a conversation prior to starting the sound bath, also just to prime them for what they're, everything that they're going to experience so that they can opt out of anything if they don't want it mm -hmm. and so that they're just prepared for everything that's going to happen. And if they are if it's something like intense grief or something that they're working through, I make sure that they know that they're in a safe container to release anything that is going to come out and they don't have to hold something in or be alarmed if something unexpected comes to the surface. With that, do you have people breaking out with uh, large emotional outbursts, whether that be laughter or crying and all, or just is the body convulsing ever i mean what 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 sort of experiences have you had with people i haven't had a lot of really intense emotional outbursts in those ways what's been pretty consistent is a really deep trance state they're just like really out and really just in another world a lot of visions um and when i i bring them back up out of it they will want to talk to me about things that they've seen or things that they feel or they just, they, it, it's really fun <laughs> to see people come out of it and just like they're completely ungrounded. So I'll do a, a tuning fork that I actually press to their chest to help with grounding. I'll feed them chocolate to kind of get them back into their body. And if they're still really floaty, I advise them not to drive for a little bit. That's I'm all in on the chocolate. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so the other thing with the grief processing hypnotherapy, you were, you talked a little bit about how grief is more than just death. And because it's interesting, I've had friends and myself, whether it be death, but also the thing that always reminds me of death and and the in the grief process is the ending of an intimate relationship. Do you, mm -hmm. do you have Absolutely. people work with you in regards to that? Um, not specifically that yet. I haven't had my practice open, and especially during COVID time, it's been kind of like a, a soft opening, but I do have okay. clients come in. It's been mostly just like energy clearing and grief thus mm -hmm. far regarding death because it'll be some of my doula clients who will come in for some aftercare with some sessions. Um. However, that's absolutely something that is involved 
with grief processing, the end of an intimate relationship, whether that be a close friendship or a romantic relationship, even like the ending of a job that you've had for a long time, a move. There's so many different endings that happen that aren't related to a physical death, but it is a death of sorts. And with each death, whether it be a romantic relationship or a, a physical death, there's a piece of you that dies with it. And that's something that people don't think about as much. With each person that you know, there's a part of you that exists only with that person. There's a piece of your personality that is brought out by existing with them and by your your communication and your relationship with them. So when that person goes away, that piece of you is also gone. And so you're mourning your broken self. That's I never thought about that. That's interesting because you were talking of uh, I, I, whoa, all right. So, <laughs> so uh, I didn't think about that part of it. Uh, yeah, it's is, a trip, right? And uh, and broken is probably the wrong term for that. Maybe fragmented. It's interesting because I'm an incredibly selfish person. You would have thought I would have thought of this part, but. <laughs> <laughs> Because I had an, uh, another end-of-life caregiver, and she was talking about, and you kind of brought it up, the importance of, of like taking care of the body and seeing the body. And uh, I had an experience mm-hmm. about 15 years ago where a very, very close friend had 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 died on a well, kind of on a yeah, unexpectedly. We'll call it unexpectedly. He OD'd mm-hmm. and he died, and right. um, his wife uh, had the body just cremated right away and there was no there was no none of no one ever got to see the body and it and it and it left me it was a weird thing for me like i just wanted to see him and i can't and i've never understood why like i just wanted to like it it never it wasn't real in certain ways like the death wasn't real in certain ways because i never saw i never saw him dead right yeah and so it it's so important for psychological processing to be able to see that and see like and not only just see but spend time with that's why the three day long especially at home funeral experience you go through these various stages of just intense grieving intense mourning and that will definitely come in waves even far beyond that for years to come but in in that space of time there's that and then there's a some peace with it and there's even laughter and stories and just spending time with that person there and you see and you really get uh, absorb and integrate the, the reality of their absence on on that level so how does the hypnotherapy help with all this hypnotherapy really goes deeply into um like letting go of grief or, or processing it not necessarily letting it go because the grief will always be there. Some people think that they there's something wrong with them because they're still grieving years later. Grief changes you. You are not the same person that you were before an intense grieving situation. You have to learn to move through the world in this new way and carry this grief with you because that grief it comes from the love that you have for that person. So making peace with that grief um, is is really helpful and kind of just moving through it in a more in a more peaceful way so that you're not racked apart by it. So one of my meditations is it's very metaphoric, but it's moving through kind of a painful place, finding this this creature that's scary at first and then it becomes this ally and then you walk with it and just metaphorically that creates more of a peaceful place within that or um clearing out a space uh, and having imagining words that are correlated with what you're feeling like releasing the grief that's not serving you the grief from anger the grief from fear and holding on to the grief from love and figuring out the difference and maybe even physically burning in your in the journey a piece of paper that says anger and letting that go psychologically that actually helps to release that and transmute it so now I'm thinking about uh, these types of things, and I'm thinking about the society in which we live in, in which so many of us are caught up in the rat race and a nine to five or whatever it is we're doing mm-hmm. and taking care of the kids and this and that and all these things. How many of us even take the time to, pro- let alone grief or anything else? I, how do you, 
are you finding people i know you said you just kind of opening back up and COVID has put things in a weird space but are you from your education and what you do are you seeing more people take the time to process their grief to be like hey i can't go to work for a week or whatever it may be i i've got to got to feel these feelings i i need to lighten my yeah. load in order to kind of feel to be human yeah there, there there is some of that and it's definitely dependent on culture so my community and the culture that's in seattle because it's such a progressive open city there's more space given for grief and for that sort of thing um and also depending on the person some people will channel their grief into being very busy and that's the way that they process things, and that's the way that they work through it. And there's no wrong way as long as you're not denying yourself what you need. Hmm. I like that. So um, uh, I was going to see, oh, hey, Nick, are you there? We were going to uh, play some of your music, but I think he's not my my engineer, kind of. <laughs> hey, uh, I think we're going to do, yeah. We're going to do some of uh, her music. Nick, are you ready for her music? Oh, there we go. Are you playing from my, my current project? Yes. I have a show on Monday with oh, Ghost yeah. and True Body. That's in Seattle, so maybe your listeners won't be able to do that. Yeah, my listeners won't be able to do that. <laughs> Band, I think I sent you a link for them as well, Which Bottle. I wrote I wrote all the lyrics for, I mean, both of these projects, but that one has a song particularly that's inspired by death and funerary rituals and funerary folklore and uh, plants associated with that. So that's a fun one. You know, for some reason, I couldn't get that one up. I kept trying to search for it, and, and it, it was saying the link was dead. I don't know whether it was my search engine. Oh, that's strange. Yeah, so just a heads up for you. Okay. Sorry, my engineer is really enjoying your music, and he's cranking it up here. Nice. <laughs> what, what, which, which song? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's Divine. I think that was the song Divine. Oh, yeah, right? that's a good one. That's my, my sexy divination song. <laughs> that was... No, this isn't Divine. This is a different one. I remember Divine because I was listening to that one. This is... Uh, yeah, that one has a music video, too. Sacred and Profane. Sacred and Profane. This is Sacred and Profane. He's playing. That's the, that's the name of the album. So oh. it could be any song. Yeah, that's... Oh. A, <laughs> come on, Nick. Help my brother out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's this is what I got. It's Other, I thought, was the name of the Yeah, album. Other is the name of the group. Okay, the group, yeah. Other, yes. Yes. Okay, no, I just got introduced to these Dude, guys. you got you got to play Divine. I like that song. Okay, well, let me see if I can find it. Can she hear the music? Yeah, can check you, out the music video for that one, too. Can you hear the music when he plays it? Nope, I cannot. No, she can't hear the music. I'm not quite sure why this is happening. I wish I could have been in studio with you. That would have I been so much more fun. That's what I'm talking about. We would have loved it, too. But Samson. We don't exactly have the budget to, to fly people to Santa Cruz and put them up. <laughs> Maybe next time. Yes. I mean, we could work on it. We could do that. We could. We could. Or maybe when my band tours through there, I can pop in. Hey, no, I, I, I might be able to get her on to, uh, Catalyst or someplace. Yeah. Oh, that's right. My my buddy Nick here. He actually uh, he manages one of the local reggae bands. Ancestry, here. baby. Yeah, and uh, so maybe we. I, I should probably put you in touch. He might be able to actually help you out with that. Yeah, I, I, I'll help. Her yeah, out for I don't sure. know if we'll be touring anytime soon. We're just the, the show that we're playing on Monday is just our second show ever. <laughs> so. <laughs> Here's Divine. At least with this project. I've had two pre previous projects. Start small, and think he's big. And he's in several. <laughs> so now we're playing Divine, if you can let her know. Yeah, so just just so you know, he's playing Divine right now. And I love this song. <laughs> this thing is super sexy, by the way. Oh, thank you. The, the bass is unreal. Yeah, the bass is dope. That kind of drum yeah, machine thing going. Mm -hmm. I dig it. 
Yeah, during all of the whole pandemic, he because we we started our project or we made a, an agreement to start the project right before COVID hit, and then COVID hit, and so he just sent me all these electronic tracks, and then from afar in my own space, I created um, lyrics, melody, and did vocals for that, and then we just recorded it and had our album. I love the I love the whole kind of power vibe with the lyrics on that one. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. <laughs> I was listening to it earlier. I was like, I really like this song. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a good voice too, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a really nice voice. You got your whole vibe going. It's super cool. Yeah, my previous project was um, very, it was similar but really different because it was me and another woman who did vocals and she played the accordion and I played the musical saw but it was very, like, a dark folklore band. Wait a second. <laughs> Hold a gr- Wait, the accord- you're Did you just say an accordion and then dark? I'm trying to I'm trying to process that. I play a saw. I play the musical saw. Oh, yeah, but you said she plays the accordion, right? Yeah, so in, uh, in Witch Bottle, in my previous band, she would play the accordion and I would play the saw and then we would have a, a drummer and sometimes a bassist and... That's did a awesome. lot of dark, dark folk music. Dark folk music. See, I always associate the accordion with like a good time and a polka. <laughs> this is very different. This is like dark, spooky accordion. That's. Awesome. I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you my um, death folklore song. I'll email it to you. Awesome! I'm totally stoked. This will be super cool. <laughs> I love it. You are like such a super cool. How do you do? Do you ever like have any downtime? I'm like this girl's like super no. busy. <laughs> I don't have any downtime. I have. So, I wear so many hats and do so many things. Um, System even this Saturday, I'm, I'm vending at this uh, market called Market of the Beast. No way. I'm, I love the uh-huh. name. The name. Is that super. sounds a little. <laughs> I gotta go. Let's go. So I have a whole table on um, with uh, because you've probably noticed on my website I have a shop with like grease keys and anointing oil and all of these things. So I will vend my my death wares and have flyers with information about your death rites. Oh, the name though is the name. Why does it have to be so like market of the beast? I know it's so good. She's all about the death. I love it. <laughs> you are like one of my funnest guests. She's heavy. <laughs> You're great. <laughs> <laughs> Why she got to be so heavy? You're so much fun. <laughs> You're a blast. I never knew death could be so much fun. I can't believe I'm sitting here laughing. And we're right? About death. Yeah, your, your other death doulas weren't... <laughs> Didn't have fun with your other death doulas. Oh, my God. <laughs> don't put it that way. I mean, my other death doulas were a good time. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but not kind of like uh, laugh out loud, you know. <clears throat> I, uh, uh-huh. I, <laughs> this what? Really what was that? Yeah, kind of all over the place. <laughs> this is the best. You got to check yourself, huh? You are like the Hey, you only got one life. You got to do all the things. That's, oh, that's exactly right. You got one life. You got to do all the things. She's fun. I like mm-hmm. her. You're a blast. You are the most type A pagan I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good thing to say. Why would you say that? I'm huh. serious. It's so true. I've, I've known a lot oh, of pagans God. in my life. I've been to all sorts pagans. of... I Pagan, have. you know, call it's, it's called an atheist, mm-hmm. not a pagan. No. Yeah, I'm an, uh, an Aquarius double Leo, so I've got the the weird, the weirdness and the creativity, but a lot of fire to fuel it. <laughs> wow, that's awesome! Animal, <laughs> super cool. Oh my god, I really <laughs> like you. This is so much fun. I forgot what questions to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Aaron, let's go here. Come on, I know, I'm slacking. This is my job. <laughs> I wish she could hear me. I really do. Come on, get with it. I know, right? I'll shoot, I have to shoot you questions to ask Keep her. Keep it going. Oh, this is the one I wanted to ask you about. There we go. Mm-hmm. The no one dies alone. Mm-hmm. And you, it, it's, it, I read somewhere, it, you did some education on it. It was like no one dies alone or you're a no one dies alone instructor. Oh, was that a psyche? Right. I did some... Uh, I did some instructor training for no one dies alone, which is essentially just teaching you how to hold space for somebody who is dying. And it's a program set in place where if a hospice or hospital has somebody, because oftentimes there's short staffed with nurses and they don't have somebody who has time hey, to just 
sit with them. So they will call in somebody from the list from No One Dies Alone, and they can come and sit with the person who's dying. So it's a really beautiful program. I just read about an article where they approved a a suicide chamber. Oh, so... Did, uh, Did you see that? Uh, in Denmark and, and Germany. You're looking and through my list of, of trainings, aren't you? No, no. My engineer <laughs> oh, no. was asking me a question. I'm so disappointed Sorry that you can't, can't hear, hear me. I should call myself oh. in. He, he was asking about that. There's a suicide chamber that got approved. He was saying there's a suicide chamber yeah. that got approved I was, in I was like, Denmark. Did you hear anything about that? Oh yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it was Switzerland. Oh, and, Swiss. but it's improved in like six countries. Yeah, it's so exciting. I think that that's fantastic. So because when people I, like I are just pain. did a training online for medical aid and dying, which is the, the the medication that you can take to to slip away and be able to choose when you're. Was it to ketamine? Um, what is it? Ketamine or something? It's heavy? something that you do have to have a terminal diagnosis of six months or less to be able to right right take in that. Not just anybody when. Or as the chamber goes, uh, the, I was reading about that the other day, and I love I, the idea I that it's such a, a peaceful letting go. That is good. But what it's lacking that the medical aid in dying with the medication has is when someone's taking the medication, your loved ones are around you, they're holding you, they're holding your hand, and they can really be with you, whereas the chamber is fully isolated, Ooh. and you don't have any physical touch. And some some people want that. Some people who I know want to die by themselves, and some people want to be embraced by their loved ones as they go. So, so, so that's like I said, this, the, this is happening. The thing that I thought about with that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, The the whole... I, I was kind of that. That was something that came to mind before, right before I walked in the studio. Was with this the dying alone thing. I, I'm a bit of a, a a loner, kind of a solo traveler, so to speak. Come on, <laughs> I can come be. Come on, I love you. Yeah, I love you too. But I spend a lot of time <laughs> alone, and um, and I'll even like go trip alone on the beach like i'll take like mm-hmm. three to five grams of shrooms and just trip on the beach alone like I, I, it's, yeah it's kind of my my thing <laughs> and uh so i was thinking about death alone like would i want people around or would they annoy me you know uh, right and it could be either and that's the, the beauty of creating a death plan is yeah. something that you can like fully plan and facilitate your your, how you want your death to be. And that's another role of the death doula is to doula. help to create the space that's been planned. Because if somebody's crazy. actively dying, they can't really this advocate This is reality. They they've the made death chambers. Voice sometimes. That's reality. And if there's people who they don't want to be there, they can keep that on the, the paperwork. And whoever's the doula can like not let those people in. Or there can be an entranceway to the deathbed that says, take three deep breaths and smoke cleanse yourself with the cedar do something to just reset your energy before even entering the room so that's really a nice way to to figure how you're going to die uh, there is a somebody that i'm connected with at the hospice that i've been spending a lot of time with him he's this amazing artist with als and he told me that he wants to die alone he doesn't want anybody to be with him but I'm wondering if that might change, though, because he recently reunited with an old girlfriend of his, and she's been coming to visit him. Uh-uh. And I'm actually officiating a wedding for this dying man and his girlfriend on Christmas Eve. I'm going to go into the hospice and officiate a wedding for them. And I'm wondering if he might want her there now. A piece of that. Well, um, with that said, I'm going to... Man, this was a great interview. I want to talk to you again. I just want to... Give your website a shout real quick, stonecirclescollective.org slash Brie Rose, as well as other-band-seattle.bandcamp, as well as witchbottle.bandcamp.org. Brie, thank you so much. You were like the funnest end-of-life caregiver ever. You're awesome. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I had a great time. Thanks. Have a great (laughs) evening. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Bye. Take care. No longer